I know it's going to be really weird for me to ask this, but could you please change the capital I in your name? <laughs> you don't want to talk to Glow? <laughs> <laughs> or just capitalize the O. <laughs> <laughs> or capitalize the O. So, I don't know, man. Like, I looked at it and I was just like, oh, no, it man, looks like guys, Glow. You guys take it. Enjoy. <laughs> I don't know why, but as soon as I saw it, it was just like my attention was drawn to it, and I was just like, mm. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's just. You guys, you guys, you guys know <laughs> what my name is. Oh. G E O. Savage, and, and you and you purposefully left the O. I get it. All right. <laughs> why is it every time I? It's time for me to do this part. I get nervous. Why, do you, why are you getting nervous? I don't know, man. Welcome to Scattershot Thoughts. <laughs> why are you getting nervous, man? <laughs> so, welcome to Scattershot Thoughts. This is episode three. We're now officially being distributed on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, whatever that is. Fuck Stitcher, we're not doing that. And hopefully soon, Apple Podcasts. I still need to do a few things to get that done. I'm Jacob. Say hi, Stan. Hey, everybody. And say hi, Glow. Glow. Hey, what's up? All right, so yeah, uh, Stan, how's your week going? Uh, it's been a pretty, actually, intense week. I actually was um, on call like the past week, so it's a welcome change now this past week because kind of the number of patients that I have to see in hospital has significantly diminished. However, the acuity has significantly increased, so I guess it's a little bit of a switch off between uh, numbers versus acuity, but I'm a little bit more relaxed, I guess, at least for the next few weeks. And then I'll be back on call later on. So for now, this week has been somewhat pleasant. Can't complain. Yeah, I heard COVID cases are going down. Uh, it's like fluctuating up and down. Like the census of patients is kind of going up and down periodically, but it's nowhere near what it was a couple of months or so at the beginning of the fall when the numbers really spiked up. So luckily for now, we're not at the point where we're exhausting rooms and resources as of yet, and hopefully kind of trails off. But again, I'm remaining a little bit more pessimistic, just given the fact that this was our fourth wave into it. Yeah. So my week has been nothing like that. No, I've actually been sick this week, uh, and Diana's actually still sick. I thought it was just a cold, but it might be the flu or something. I don't know, because she's got fever and has been throwing up. But she's doing better now. And yesterday, I was in bed all day, so couldn't record yesterday. But I'm doing better today. Did y'all get tested? I'm going to go tomorrow to get one of a quick PCR test done. I think but that's I'm, wise, but I'm glad you're on the mend, though. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not COVID. I'm, I'm just trying to get over the rest of this sniffling stuff going on. I feel like you've been sick for like three months, Gio. Yeah, as I cough out along. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have too. I don't know what's going on with me. But every time I go to a doctor, they're always saying the same shit. Actually, maybe I should just go to Stan. Stan, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? It's... it's uh... It's a cluster of things I can't even begin to untangle. So there we go. We're looking at the, the purely, you know, just physical part, not the mental craziness. Just Yeah, the mental crazy thing I can't fix. Yeah, and I don't think anybody can at this point. It's just done. <laughs> Unfortunately, you and I are at a stage where we're 
forever messed up, so I don't think they'll be able to help. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah we're, we're done. We're, we're stuck on the uh, the old ways already, not getting past that. You know, it was, it was really depressing a couple of weeks back. I was kind of sitting in my uh, work area, and uh, somebody made a comment about, oh, like, you know, I still feel young and what have you. And I wanted to join in and partake and say, like, yeah, I still feel young, too. And then as I did that, I kind of, like, ran my hand through my hair. And the person who was sitting to my left, he goes, like, oh, my God, you have so many white hairs in your head. And I was like, that was <laughs> unprompted. <laughs> like. <laughs> unsolicited feedback that I really didn't want to hear. See, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but I've had white hair since I was like 13, so it wasn't that. When I was showering one day, and I like looked down, and like, I, had a, I had a white hair on my chest, and I was just Uh-oh. like, oh shit. You know what's next, though? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you get into real trouble. I had a like singular like silver hair popping out of my chest, and I was just like, oh no. That's it, man. I'm old. Once you go past 30, I feel like everything starts hurting. Like I didn't used to understand why all these, what I considered young folk would be like complain about like everything hurting, but like, hell now I'm in their shoes. And like, I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, everything is stiff. My back hurts. My legs hurt. I was like, yeah. I, I, I get it. The other day I was talking to my coworker who is, um, I think he's in his like mid to late forties. And he was just like, I think he mentioned the same thing that you guys did. He was like, yo, you've been sick for a little bit now. And I was just like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I never used to get sick before. And now I don't know what's going on. He was just like, the second you turn 30, it's over. Like, that's it. I turned 30 and, like, now I'm sick for, like, months. It's the old man immunity. <laughs> I know, it sucks. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty been pretty much been my week. Sick, getting over it now, and uh, just trying to survive and work. Jacob's over there just like, you know, I'm, t- I'm too busy carrying this podcast on my back. <laughs> no, well. <laughs> He's like, I- I'm 30, but my back hurts because I've been carrying this podcast. Oh, no. I'm 30 and my knees hurt because I've been running, but that's how that goes, I guess. I don't know. I carved pumpkins this weekend. Oh, I should show you guys. There was a, a pumpkin carving contest that we were supposed to participate in. And I, I saw the pictures that you sent, Jacob, and uh, nowhere near my uh, level of carving because it was a disaster. First of all, like when they told us we we're going to compete in the pumpkin carving contest, they gave us a styrofoam pumpkin, which needless to say is a pain to carve out because every time you stick anything that's not a heated piece of metal, you just get a storm of little styrofoam like things all over your floor and your table and it's just a disaster i would assume they would it would break off in weird ways too no it did which was which made it like even more aggressive so like it it kind of brings to the point of i think some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight but i was thinking of doing the whole squid game thing and you know just like either looking at it or using like a lighter or something to heat up a needle. It was just, it was crazy. Eventually I just gave up. I ended up resorting to buy a proper pumpkin and trying to carve that out, which was a total complete disaster on my end. Well, you also have that misophonia, right? With, um, with styrofoam. Like, don't you? <laughs> I ugh, Which was a, another, yet another reason why it was such a, like a, a painful experience. Cause every time the blade went into the styrofoam pumpkin, like I just wanted to tear my eyes out. <laughs> because it, it was i don't know it just it oh, it just made my skin crawl and it was it was bad 
Have you have you done that before? Have you carved a pumpkin before? Because Jacob showed me his, and I was just like, "Wow, it looks great." And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "I've never carved a pumpkin before, and mine would look like I think mine would just implode on itself after I'm done carving it." I think this is the second time, to be honest with you, that I've done it. The first time was like in medical school. We had like a get together that we did pumpkin carving, and for some reason, I decided that it would be an easy thing to carve out the face of like mickey mouse on the face of the pumpkin yeah didn't turn out half bad but i i didn't consider all the parts that i need to leave attached so that you know it appears appropriately when lit up <laughs> and then for some reason this time around like i figured i can continue the theme and i try to carve out tigger from uh, winnie the pooh which also turned out as a, as a disaster because immediately one of my colleagues i showed him the picture and i was like what does this look like and like can you can you visualize it and he goes like, it looks like a uterus. And I was just like. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I was going for. That's exactly so, what I was going for. I mean, that yeah. might say more about him than you though. So. Well, yeah. But at the same time, like he wasn't the only one. Oh. <laughs> Stan's, Stan's, pumpkin, Stan's pumpkin is like an ink blot. <laughs> what do you see? What do you see when you look at this? <laughs> it, it was like the Rorschach of pumpkins, I guess. But. You know, I figured it was an N of one. I figured I'd ask a, a larger population as to what's going on. And I asked a few other people. And the first thing out of their mouth immediately was just like, oh, this is a uterus. And I was like, no, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm going to send it to you guys and let's see what you think. Hold on one second. But like I said, Jacob's carvings were way more professionally done than my feeble attempt at being festive. Yeah, but to be fair, he's been carving pumpkins since he was a, a wee lad. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever actually tried to carve a pumpkin as an adult. <laughs> as an adult. So no judging, but this picture is going to come through. And it was supposed to be a, somewhat <laughs> of a selfie. And I'll show you. If you don't catch it, I'll show you something. No, that's, that is Tigger, Stan. I mean, I, I see the... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a... <laughs> I can also see the uterus, but that, that is more... I would say that's Tigger more than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, so if we're looking if we're looking at the at the at the negative space, it's Tigger. But if we're looking at if we're looking at the at the pumpkin, I can I can I can make out the uterus. Okay, yeah, all right, fair point. I can make out the fallopian tubes and everything, Stan. Yeah. I also didn't realize that whilst I was holding the pumpkin because of the picture, if you notice the positioning <laughs> of my <laughs> of my hand inadvertently, inadvertently, this was not yeah, sure, at Stan. all. I know, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, and just for the <laughs> listeners, it was a certain rude, rude gesture that just happened to manifest itself because the way that I'm holding, this is actually my pen light. I carved a little hole on the bottom of the pumpkin and as I was holding the pen light, I didn't realize. Oh my God, you're making this worse. You're making this so much worse. You carved a hole at the bottom of the pumpkin at the entrance of the... Okay, first of all, no. <laughs> you know, this picture just makes me think that like your body just subconsciously went back to your your gyno rotation <laughs> no okay we're not we're not just <laughs> subconsciously you just went back to when you had to do gyno for like <laughs> festive pumpkin carving of an innocent cartoon character okay stan you almost lost your fingers man <laughs> and i caught this and the problem part is that like you know i submitted it to an official submission. And then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, Lord have mercy. I'm straight up like flipping off the people who are looking at this picture. And I look so happy about it. You're also just gently parting the lips open. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Jacob's losing it right now. Oh man! Wow. Yeah. So, like I said, nowhere near, nowhere nearly as professional as the uh, as the carvings that you produce. So that that's been my sorry. Like so you you were saying you were carving pumpkins. No, that's uh that's great. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all just thinking about Stan's fingers. <laughs> wow. Um. God, that escalated pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, I carved um pumpkins. <laughs> the- <laughs> I'm I'm having problems with with slugs. They apparently like pumpkins, but what are you going to do about it? Or salt around the pumpkin. <sighs> That's what mom was saying to do, but I don't want to punish the slugs for liking pumpkins. It's not their fault. Oh, I'm just know. I'm just trying to help you resolve the issue. Uh, Halloween's just a couple of days. I think the last. But yeah, we went to Costco today. It's been pretty exciting. Did you do it? Yeah, I did. I I went to Potbelly today. Which Sam, we got to catch you up on the pumpkin brat or pump. On the sandwich bracket that we're coming up with. As in ranking sandwiches from different institutions. You hit up Zaxby's right? like because I had a sandwich from there. Although it wasn't like Oh there you go. We could do we could just do a chicken sandwich bracket. Dude. We gotta get Popeyes, KFC, freaking Chick-fil-A. I have to tell you that I in my opinion, in I don't mean to cost us any potential sponsorship down the line, <laughs> but Chick-fil-A has potentially committed a great tactical error by commercializing their special Chick-fil-A sauce. Because you can find that in the local grocery store. And I kid you not, you can make the worst chicken sandwich. But as soon as you put that sauce on the bun, oh, saves it all. <laughs> yeah, I've got their Polynesian sauce. It's good. I'm telling you, they should have kept that recipe to themselves. Pretty sure I have one of them. Or at least I have a bunch of packets of their, their sauce in my, my fridge. They always give me like 20. You know, I, that has not been my experience. No. I've always had to negotiate. There was a committee bit by a stand-up comedian, I forget who it was, who was kind of comparing the way fast food restaurants deal with ketchup as if it's going to be the currency of the future. And he was saying it's such a terrible way to do that because you have to walk up to the register and be like, hi, can I have like two packets of ketchup, please? And then they're very protective. And I feel like my experience with Chick-fil-A is that I always have to ask when I say, like, can I get some sauce? They will always give me like one. And I'm like, I just bought three sandwiches. Like, what do you think I'm going to do with one little packet? I'm just picturing Stan there in that little outfit going, please, sir, may I have some more? (laughs) Could I have some more sauce, please? So that's been my kind of experience with those. Now, I remember when we would go to McDonald's or Burger King or something when we were back in high school and ask for ketchup and they just like grab a fistful of ketchup and give it to you. I feel like that's changed, though. I feel like now the uh, overall value of ketchup and condiments is becoming more and more monetized, I guess. Yeah, they definitely don't keep it on you like they used to. So, Jacob, you had pot belly. And then we went to Costco. And let me tell you, on a segment of you want to know what really grinds my gears... So I parked in a handicap spot, which I am allowed to do because mom was with me and I backed into the spot. So there was the curb on the driver's side on my side. And then there was the zebra striped area for mom to get out and like get the wheelchair and the scooter or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I get her into the store. We go, we shop, we come out of the store and somebody has parked in the zebra stripe area. I I mean, I can't defend it, but I almost can't. I don't know if it, if it was intentional or just a very poorly skilled driver that just attempted to swerve in and park and then just totally missed the mark. No. So there was our car and then the zebra stripe, which admittedly it's huge. 
and then another car was parked in the next spot. And it's, I guess, for, for vans, you know how they have additional clearance next to the... And this, so there was enough space to fit a car in this area, and they just decided, like, oh, I'm handicapped. Oh, they were, they were, they were also handicapped? <laughs> you know, I didn't even think to check. Also, when it comes to that sort of thing, you look at them and it's like, okay, well, do you want to play the Who's More Handicapped game right now? Because I bet we'll win. I don't think it's a competition. No, but if it was... <laughs> <laughs> You'd win. Yeah, that was frustrating. And, of course, like, the woman who parked there was, like, leaving as we were pulling out. So, I basically just, like, looked around the corner of the car as I was unloading it, and I was like, this is ridiculous. And then, like, went back to loading the car. <laughs> and she was gone by the time mom needed to get in the car, but it was just... And, the, and then another thing, <laughs> the little helper people come out and they're like, oh, I'll take the buggy back for you, the scooter thing. Mm-hmm. And mom has to back the scooter up to the car so she can just like rotate and then get out. Yeah. Turn towards the car, stand up and then keep turning and then sit down in the car. Mm-hmm. The guy just like stands there watching her. And it's like, can you like go occupy yourself for 60 seconds, then come back. You don't need to. I don't know. It just seems like when you do that, you're rushing somebody or they feel rushed. It was awkward. I just, I loaded the car while that was transpiring, but I could tell that mom was just, can you just go away for a couple seconds while I get situated? So can I, can I ask you a question? Like if you're using the electric scooter, presumably it's, you know, mechanically powered and you have a basket. So in, depending on how much groceries and what have you you've purchased, you can probably settle all of that in the basket in the front. You know, like <laughs> what did you need to help her do to come out? I had a shopping cart because we were at Costco. So like you buy three items and it fills up the cart. So I had my cart and then we had the more delicate stuff like bread and stuff like that in her basket. So I unloaded hers first so she could get in the car as I was unloading. Right. And I'm assuming this guy just wanted to take the scooter back. He like worked there. Yeah. I mean, he was just, he was trying to be nice. People don't realize sometimes when you're trying to be nice, it doesn't come off. You unintentionally make it worse. This is going back to last week where... Jacob woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and then somebody opened the door for him, and he basically almost chewed her head off. <laughs> you can open your own doors, man. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate you opening the door for me, but you don't have to make like a comment like, oh, yeah, I've been there. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess we're best friends now because we both pushed a wheelchair. I appreciate it, and I know it's, it seems kind of jerky for me to say. Did you did you say thank you when they opened the door? Yeah, I, um, I'm always appreciative because, I mean, honestly, there's been plenty of times where, like, I'm struggling to keep a door open and everybody's just sitting in the waiting room watching me struggle. And it's like, okay, nobody could hold the door open. Holding the door open and pushing a wheelchair through it is, is not easy. No, it's like you have to do like gymnastics. You have to like... You have to like kick the door open while you're pushing the wheelchair in and then keep it open with your foot. You have to do it like standing on one leg. No, see, I, I misunderstood. I, I didn't realize that you were with your mom at the time. Oh, oh no, that, that like, just would have been awkward. <laughs> I don't know, Sam. This girl just opened the door for him because she was being nice. She was actually hitting on him. She wanted him to pay attention to her. And Jacob just looked at her like she was a bitch. I thought it was just some random incident when you were trying to walk into a building and somebody just casually opened the door and you were like, you know what? <laughs> no, that, I mean, I've had people do that to me, but no, that would have been awkward. I don't where you're standing in front of a door and somebody would not open it for themselves and they'll wait for you to do so. Yeah. I would just walk away. Like, you know what? Figure it out. No, I've had the awkward moments where I'm walking to work. I'm walking to the front door of the office and somebody's a decent amount ahead of me. They see me, but they're a decent amount ahead of me. They'll open the door and then just stand there with the door open waiting for me to get there. And then I have to, yes. You have to like like, run. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like, it's too early in the morning for me to dash to the door. Like, I'm still trying to wake up. I literally drove to work on autopilot. I, I don't even know how I got there. All right. I'm just trying to walk into the office, get like situated, get a cup of coffee, and then I'll be awake. Don't make me dash to the door because you're being nice. <laughs> and then I have to do the whole like, oh, thank you, you know, for waiting for 20 seconds to hold the door open for me. And you have to have that awkward small talk as you walk towards the elevator. And, oh, yeah, beautiful weather today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and I have to pretend like I'm interested. In... Yeah, no. Already my day is starting off terribly. I'm already having to talk to somebody. See, I feel like that's all part of hitting 30, just to circle back up. <laughs> no, because I feel like I've been like that forever. Talking to you guys is great. Talking to other people that I actually like is fine. Talking to coworkers is like, I don't, I don't need to talk to you. If I need to talk to you, I'll talk to you. But I don't need to talk to you. See, I think this is all a sequelae of the millennial going through a pandemic and being transitioned to work from home on Zoom meetings and then what have you. Because at any point, you can just mute and then shut off your camera and then be done with it. That's how, that's how I survived the past year and a half. You know how many meetings I've had that were completely pointless? Mute and just turn off the camera and then play my Switch. Or just watch TV during the middle of the meeting. I don't even need to be paying attention. I've had to say, like, I've seen some very creative folks, people who have took pictures of themselves. So that way, when they turn off the camera, the picture still remains on full screen view as if they're still paying attention. It was take a special kind of person to watch you to see if you're blinking or, you know, moving with every breath. People have been clever. People doing all kinds of like, I saw this one video online of a guy, for some reason, he had a, you know, those revolving fans and he somehow had attached something to keep the camera occupied. I don't even know what the purpose of it, but... He probably just made like a like like a, a gif of him standing there with a fan moving behind him and then maybe doing some gestures or something. It was crazy. And the one thing that I haven't been able to figure out how people do is like, I see all these videos of people in college, for example, and the professor will be lecturing and then all of a sudden they do these kind of Brady Bunch square type of pass the pen around or they play a... Oh, that's just that just takes planning. Well, the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I reckon you can lock the screen in in a particular configuration, but I can never... Because I'm sure, like, the arrangement of... I mean, granted, there's, like, three of us. You can lock the configuration within a certain pattern, I guess. But to me and to you, the arrangement may be different. So. Mm, maybe. It's beyond me. So maybe just does it like maybe does it like alphabetically. I guess that'd be an option. So Costco. That was just ridiculous. Like, really, you're gonna park in that the area that is like the one area in the parking lot where you're not supposed to park. I don't. I don't know. You didn't feel like calling the cops? No, I mean that lady was leaving as we were getting to the car. It was stupid. Plus, I I was already upset because that's the other thing is at this Costco they have the self checkout area, but they have people working the self checkout area. So there's, for each of the kiosks where you're supposed to check your own shit, there's a person who's like, oh, well, I'll check you out here. And it's like, well, then why are we doing, so what is the difference? Is there's just, <laughs> there's no treadmill thing here, like for me, no conveyor belt for me to put my items on, but you're still going to do everything? De- defeats the purpose of. Self. It's, it's in the name. It's in the name, self. And the thing is, is like, we had a ton of stuff. Like we spent a lot of money at Costco today. And we were not one of those situations where we needed to be doing the self-checkout thing. Like, we needed to have the conveyor belt. But the guy that was there, he was just like, oh, I'll take you, I'll take you. And I was like, okay. So, of course, we get done, and the machine threw up some air, and he had to call a manager over to have him fix it. And I'm like, okay, so even... 
why are you doing this? If I could have just scan stuff, screwed it up, and then had to call somebody over to fix it. Actually, yeah, now that I think about it, isn't the self-checkout for like 10 items or less or something? Most places, yeah, but at Costco, they're just like, whatever. If you want to do it, do it. And All I'm going to say is that we're definitely getting, not getting a sponsorship from Costco down the line. <laughs> <laughs> and then as we're leaving, you know how they like, check your receipt and check your, your cart? Yeah. The guy literally is just like, okay, I'm looking for Charmin. I have almost $1,000 worth of stuff in this cart, and you're worried about me stealing toilet paper? <laughs> what? Forget hey, about the Samsung TV on the bottom, man. <laughs> toilet paper, man. Everybody needs it. Which, they do have a thing up. They're only letting people buy one thing of toilet paper. And if you guys remember... About a year and a half ago, that was a major issue. I, I never had an issue. I, I have toilet paper. I've never once run out of toilet paper. Well, God bless you, because other people were not so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> there was some shortage in the grocery stores, for sure. We had paper towel issues. We went maybe for like two weeks without paper towel, but we were okay with toilet paper. Costco's ridiculous. Anyway. There goes that sponsorship. <laughs> it's okay. BJ's, though. <laughs> Everybody loves BJ Stan. <laughs> Who doesn't love getting getting to BJ's? <laughs> anyway, so before we have our big Squid Game conversation, did you guys see the uh, the news about Hayden Christensen being in um what was it Ahsoka or yes yeah that's exciting yeah no yeah I've I've always kind of felt bad for Hayden Christensen why I don't know I never really understood all the hate that he got okay no like. Okay, well, for, for starters, the lines and everything that he had, that's not on him. But the delivery. The delivery, again, the delivery was, wasn't great, but I mean, he was doing his best. And it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. I'm probably one of the few people, I don't know if you guys are on the same line, but to be honest with you, I would gladly embrace those prequels now in light of what's happened with later episodes that have come out that show remain unnamed. There's only perhaps one movie that I would stand behind, and and, and that's Rogue One. Oh, I thought Rogue One was great. No, I, I agree with you. I think of the movies that have come out since the change in power, I would say Rogue One probably remains the one that I can kind of stand behind and support and say that it was a good movie. The rest of them, I don't know. A lot of people used to give grief to the prequels like Phantom Menace and, and what have you, but I would gladly take it now in comparison to, to the new yeah, Disney had already owned Lucasfilm when um, the last season of Clone Wars came out, right? Jacob? Talking about the, the Netflix season or the, the last season that came out? The last season that came out with um, Ahsoka and coming back and all that. Yeah, that was Disney. So that 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 was actually pretty good. And I, I remember talking to Jacob about it. What was it, like the last four episodes? Mm, yeah, the Siege of, Siege of Mandalore episodes. Yeah, like they, they could have been a movie on their own. And it would have been an amazing Star Wars movie. That was done under Disney. I agree with the follow-up trilogy wasn't exactly there. So my question to you guys, how do you see this? I presume it's going to kind of backtrack into the story of Ahsoka and Anakin. And if that's the case, are we going to be seeing again the CGI aged back scenes of, of him before, you know, Revenge of the Sith and what have you? I feel like that was very well explored. I want to say this is probably more like what Ahsoka has been up to around the Mandalorian. Yeah, from what I understand, this Ahsoka series is going to be about her looking for Ezra from Rebels. I think it starts after her episode in The Mandalorian. Because in that episode, she's looking for... She's looking for Thrawn. Who's presumably with Ezra. Yeah, the only reason to look for Ezra is if you're looking for Thrawn. Oh, sorry. Other, other, well, you said, yeah, you got me. 
it's possible that he is technically a force ghost, so we might get force ghost Anakin. Oh, that is true. I didn't think about it. I thought it was going to be some sort of a reminiscing about... No, I'm just thinking about the, the bad CGI for the original trilogy, where they had a ghost Hayden Christians in there. Just casually... Just like chilling there, like, hey guys, what are you doing here? You don't belong. I feel like if they do that kind of uh, aged back arc, it's going to be a little bit awkward. I'm sure they probably also have maybe flashbacks or something to when she was still a... Padawan. A Padawan under Anakin. True. It'd be interesting to explore that arc after she got falsely accused. Pick up from there, I feel. That'll be um, more entertaining. Stan, you need to watch the last season of The Clone Wars that's on Disney+. Plus. It's so good. Yeah. I, I reckon that's what's being explored in there because I haven't watched it. <laughs> so there's a couple episodes where that's like right after she leaves what she ended up doing. Wasn't there a few episodes that explored that in the original last season or whatever? Because she attempted to come back and then they said nay nay. What happened? Uh, she They kicked her out. There was a whole thing that happened afterwards. And then after they figured out that she was innocent, they were like, oh, like you can come back. And then she was the one that was just like, I ain't coming back. <laughs> you done did me wrong. I ain't coming back. <laughs> Basically. Got it. All right. Makes sense. Which, I mean, you, you can't you can't exactly blame her. Like, n- no one trusted her. Is that set to air this year? It's November something, right? Mid-November? Or did I read it wrong? We have uh, Book of Boba Fett comes out next month. In two months. It comes out after Christmas. And then Hawkeye comes out Christmas, uh, sorry, Thanksgiving Day, right? Or something. I think so. I know it's really soon. Because, like, when Hawkeye ends, Book of Boba Fett starts. Gotcha. November 24th. So that's like the day, that's the Wednesday, I think? The day before Thanksgiving. That'd be interesting because I had like a really nice kind of sequence of shows that I was watching. You know, it started with the whole One Division and jumped into the Winter Soldier. So I feel a little bit empty on the inside now because I have nothing to watch now that I've caught up to What If and everything. This year, starting with One Division and going in, well, because I was watching The Bad Batch. So it was like going in until like, I don't know, August? was when all that stuff stopped. It was nice to have three or four months where it was like every Friday was, okay, cool. I got some, and I watched that Mighty Duck show, which, I mean, (laughs) it wasn't great, but it was something to watch. Quack, quack, quack. (laughs) Speaking of Star Wars, Gio and I watched Dune this weekend. And speaking of something else that we have to wait two years for a sequel to. Yeah, but I'll wait. Wasn't there like an older movie back in the early 90s (laughs) called Dune? Is that like a remake on that? There's the books... I think the first book was 1965, and then Dune, the movie, like, in 80... I don't know, Gio and I talked about this last week. 84, I think? Yeah, there was 84. Was based on the same book that this current Dune is based on. I remember explicitly that I had the VHS tape. For you those had a VHS tape of Dune? Yo, bro. Yeah, I was <laughs> <Whoa>. just... <laughs> Damn! Talk about feeling old, right? <laughs> but for those of you listeners who don't know what a VHS is, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's, like Netflix. it's like a Netflix that you have to rewind manually. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember I had the VHS tape on my <laughs> TV stand. And for a while, like I was even questioning, like, what is this movie about? But granted, I was a little kid when, when it was out. So I never really understood the movie. So I guess I'm going to give it a shot now in adulthood and see if I feel any better. VHS, man, it was entertainment for a more civilized time. Yeah. This Dune movie is pretty easy to understand nothing's gonna go over your head okay honestly i'm still trying to figure out that other movie what is it called it confused me so much it's cloud atlas that is among the movies that to this day i'm not sure what that movie is about i still haven't even seen that movie 
the one where like all those lives are actually like reincarnations. Is it though? I don't know. That's what I got no. together. I think like it's like a story, and then all their reincarnations kind of meet up at different points in time, and they're all kind of intertwined. This means I have to watch this for homework. I mean, it has Tom Hanks in it. It's the same thing. Like it took me a little bit of time to figure out Tenant as well too, but then that was a little bit easier to digest. But Cloud Atlas to this time, I cannot sort out. And it's like Halle Berry, Tom Hanks, and the guy from Twenty One. Twenty One. Yeah, the main protagonist in Twenty One. That movie with uh, Kevin Spacey. Yes, but I forget what the actor's name is. He's 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 a good Jacob. Did we ever talk about this? Because I remember Tenant had like this weird principle oh, that God. we saw in like something else. I don't know if it was an anime or a different movie or something where it's basically like the first time one person. Time out. Spoiler alert for anybody who's watching. <laughs> oh, I thought he. No, have we all, I've, we've all seen Tenet, right? Yeah, we have, but okay, our okay. listeners may not have. Yeah. So let me just forewarn. Okay, so spoiler, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Tenet in the last like two years that it's been out. Coming from the person who says he's blind at the end. <laughs> We also saw the movie. It's like um, that that weird time travel kind of thing where the first time one person is meeting the other person is like the last time that that one person is meeting the first person. Do you get me? That's a river song in in, in the doctor. Right. There we go. There we go. It was killing me the entire time I saw Tannen. I was just like, this is giving me something of a vibe that I've seen before. But I cannot remember what it was where it's like the first time one of them meets the other is like the last time that that first person met the, the first one. Interstellar has like a similar feel to it, too. No, but it wasn't Interstellar. It was No, I know. But like that, speaking of that movie, that makes me cry every bloody time I watch it. Interstellar was I found it long. It is long, but like it's a tearjerker for me, man. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, it's one of those movies that I can watch that one scene and be like, oh, you watch what? And uh, Tenet, that movie's some bullshit. I'm just going to say it. The most like, hey, look at me. I'm uh, Christopher Nolan. I'm doing something weird. All right. I'm done with the gimmicks, Christopher Nolan. This is... With all the Christopher Nolan sounds. <laughs> this doesn't even make sense. <laughs> oh my God. There's a car driving down the interstate. <laughs> my phone's ringing. <laughs> something bad's about to happen. I just got a text message. <laughs> Well, speaking of movies that have loud sounds, <laughs> filming just wrapped on Transformers Rise of the Beasts. That's going to say it has to be a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> yeah. So we're transitioning from weird loud bombs to loud bombs. And to fireballs and explosions, yeah. Well, okay. In defense of this movie, it's a sequel to Bumblebee. Which I haven't seen. You haven't seen Bumblebee? All right, Gio, you have homework. I've given up on the Transformers movies, man. No, Bumblebee is good, though. Stan, have you seen Bumblebee? I want to say that I have. You should definitely watch it. Is that the one with uh... Haley Steinfeld? I think that's true. And John Cena? John Cena? Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. I know who John Cena is. I'm... <laughs> it's John Cena. No, I know who John Cena is. I'm... That's not who I was thinking. <laughs> was he even in the movie, though? You should watch that, Gio. It's pretty good. So this is loosely based on the Beast Wars cartoon. Did you guys watch that when you were kids? Yeah. It was CGI Optimus Primal. There's a T-Rex. Yeah, Megatron's a T-Rex. But he's also not the Megatron. He's just named himself after Megatron. Wait, is this the, is this the one with Mark Wahlberg? No. Isn't there a Transformers with a Transformer movie with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, that was 4 and 5, I think, had Mark Wahlberg. Wait, so Bumblebee is not a part of the, the other Transformer movies? No, Bumblebee's like a reboot. Okay. 
sort of. But yeah, I'm excited. When's this? It doesn't. This article doesn't even say when this movie comes out. But filming wrapped on it, so it's got to be coming out soon. Not necessarily. I mean, they probably plus or minus like eight months. Got to do more research. But it's probably going to be June of 2020. Oh shoot! Ron Perlman's the voice of uh, Optimus Primal. June 24th, 2022. Oh, nailed it. Got to play the lot. <laughs> Can we talk about how uh, unlucky this guy is who shot the prop gun and killed somebody? Oof! Yeah. Alec Baldwin. I read that and it was immediate flashback to the crow with Brandon Lee, man. That was just crazy. I just, I don't understand because I, I realized it was a real gun that they gave him. It was a prop gun, but it was still like a real gun. What, what it is, is just like the ammunition per se. It's like the kind of the prop. And from what I understand, like these blanks and the way that they're created is technically doesn't have projectile to fire out. But I think this one had like a lead bullet. Because I was reading a lot about the death of Bruce Lee and then subsequently Brandon Lee. And it was, at that time, it was something that, for example, on, in that instance, I believe the issue was that they didn't empty out the actual shell from the blank that fired beforehand. And they loaded another one right behind it. So it was actually the, the remnant component of that first blank that fired out and caused the injury. So I'm, I'm not sure what the instances in this particular situation were. I think they gave him a gun, and I don't even think they were filming at the time. I, I think he was just, like, practicing or, or doing something. I think he was, like, practicing aiming the gun at the at the camera or something. He pulled the trigger and shot this one, which, I mean, I, I feel terrible for her family and everything. I feel bad for him, because obviously it's pretty traumatic to be responsible for the death of somebody, especially when you didn't think you were doing anything wrong. But then again, you, I don't know. I'm not a gun person. I shot guns. To be a gun person. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm not a gun person. Like, I don't own guns. I've gone out and I've shot guns before. The one rule that was, like, hammered into me before I went to shoot guns was you don't point this at anybody else. Ever. You do not point this at anyone else. I mean, growing up, I used to have, like, the plastic BB guns, you know what I mean? Didn't you used to shoot your teacher with them? First of all, in my defense, I have been shot at myself, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I take it and I am give I, it. And my, my defense. <laughs> but I've never, no, no, it's mostly amongst my friends. We would play around and goof around. <laughs> it was always funnier when you catch somebody off guard and just like pop a plastic BB in, in their thigh or what have you. But <laughs> to be um, fair, things, things are different. The things are different in the, uh, in the mean streets of Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, it was just like, you got to You got to learn the ropes. <laughs> it's either, it's either shoot with a BB gun or be shot. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was it was kind of like a a waste to mature. Like, if you didn't get shot by a plastic BB, like, were you even playing? <laughs> this is their initiation, man. <laughs> exactly. You know what we used to do here is just run around with those folded up post-it notes and uh, the rubber bands. That actually hurts a lot worse than than the BB, to be honest with you. Jacob, you you were you were the same middle school as us. Did you? I saw those. I, I never got hit by one. No. And then there were the crazy people who would put like a thumbtack through the folded up post-it. That was just mean spirited. That's that was, or a paper clip on the top. I even remember people who made elaborate designs. Like you used to wrap the rubber band on your fingertips, or like on your index and your yeah. thumb. And some people went out of control and they would actually sculpt this, this slingshot type thing for more power and accuracy. And it was just like you're really committing some time to this. This is what happens when you put a bunch of gifted kids together and try to teach them math and algebra. They just they just completely ignore that shit and grab rubber bands and start fucking trying to poke people's eyes out. 
I do have to say that I'm not sure how we digress to this conversation from Bumblebee, but yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm about to mention the slap boxing fights that we had in my classrooms. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> slap box. Well, Jacob, Jacob was in the serious part of the of the school. <laughs> yeah, Dan talking about I, initiation. Dan and I were in the more sheltered. <laughs> we were protected, <laughs> just not from ourselves. Uh, good old times. It seems like ages ago. So let's get to the meat of the subject. Squid um, Game. Hey everybody, I'm just jumping in here during editing to give you a little bit of a spoiler warning. Just so you know, from here on out, we go full in on Squid Game spoilers. So continue at your own risk. Enjoy the rest of the show. What did you guys think of that show? I liked it. I thought when I first started watching it, well, maybe not when I first started watching it, but towards the end of the first episode, I was born. Jacob, is this basically Alice in Borderlands? Because that's, that's the vibe that I got, which is another Netflix show uh, that's basically kind of like this, where they uh, they take random people into an alternate Japan, where like all the buildings are in place and everything else is in place, but like it's just them. They play weird games, and if you lose the games, you die. But if you don't play the games, you also die. So like you have to play the games. I don't know. For me, like the the first thought that it crossed my mind was the 2000 movie Battle Royale. I don't know if you guys remember. Like Gio for sure remembers that. That wasn't the first thing that popped into my mind. Just that's true. <laughs> what else did we watch in that class? Did we see Saw in that class? I think so. I think we literally, we literally sat in front of a computer. Like the entire class was just sitting there watching Saw. Yeah. But we're dissecting the emotional impact on being a, a captive of a psychopath, essentially, and being chained to the ground. Anyway. Wait, 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 wait. Was this the same class where you guys sat outside on beanbags reading books? Maybe. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Was it English? Yeah, it was a... It was, a, it was literature, whatever the fuck it was. Okay. I believe it was a... Yeah. I can't believe we went to the same school, but all right. You really messed out on uh, these awesome moments. <laughs> for me like squid games immediately right off the bat i started getting that vibe of the battle royale type of setup there can only be one type of you know scenario yeah. and i was almost anticipating that it was going to be a lot more gruesome than it actually was in my opinion at least i mean i thought it was still pretty gruesome i see where stan's coming from with that so I, that's the thing i i think this show might have hit the perfect balance because i've heard a lot of people not us describe it as being like hunger games which i'm just like no no <laughs> that's just all you know of this genre is hunger games basically because like the hunger games came out after battle royale it borrowed heavily from battle royale oh no yeah it did. and the manga there is the like anti-capitalistic themes or whatever right. that are pretty heavy in in hunger games so uh, there's the hunger games but then there's also the first thing that i thought when i started watching it which Geo mentioned was was uh, Alice in Borderland, which might just be because that's recent. We watched that just like what a year ago, yeah. And it's pretty similar, but that was also more gory and also kind of more. You can tell that it was based on a manga because you end up in like swimsuit land, which was just like okay, in 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 Alice in Borderland. <laughs> Whereas in Squid Game, it's all more palatable. It's more believable that this could be happening mm. for the most part. I mean, besides the giant stadium that moves terrain to cover up everything. Yeah, which that sort of, there was that weird sort of fantasy element to this that kind of went away as the show progressed. Right. Especially with the girl. 
So in in the very first game they play, Red Light, Green Light, that's mm-hmm. the first game, right? Yeah. That crazy uh, big boy girl <laughs> with, <laughs> with the eyes. <laughs> I was like, okay, so there's some sort of weird stuff going on here, but I guess it was just technology that we're supposed to believe exists. This was probably a huge introduction to that genre for a lot of people. Because people that watch the Hunger Games probably didn't realize they were watching a Battle Royale type deal. Though, I mean, to be fair, when this first started, I wasn't either. Just going in knowing nothing about what the show was. I was just like, okay, so are they going to make teams and like the team who wins gets everything? Because they never specified that like there's only going to be one person at the end. Which I'm not entirely sure that there had to be one person at the end. I think they could have split. Well, I mean, once you get to the last episode... It seems like that it's designed so there's only one person at the end. But the way they present the game, it seems like a team could win. They just would have to split the money. See, that was not my understanding from it. Because in episode one, when they were explaining the rules, essentially, of the contest, they pretty much made it sound like, well, I guess. No, because in the first episode, they said, all you have to do is clear six games, and then you'll win the money. But they never said only one person can clear six games. Multiple people can clear the six games. Right, but they did say they did say in the rules, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that you do contribute for every person who falls out of the game. Yeah. Right. Well, well they didn't say die, right? Well, not until not until the end of the first game. And then they realize that you have to die for Correct. They did say that for every person who does lose the game, they get more monies in, in the piggy yeah. bank. So that, that to me automatically implied that if you wanted to win the jackpot, like you essentially had to clear out your competition. Yeah, though I mean, I don't know. That's your capitalistic mindset, Stan. <laughs> it depends on how greedy you want to be towards the end, how much money. Because the other thing, it didn't really, ex- the rules of engagement per se, just meant that you have to kind of survive the games, right? Like survive the six games. So I was thinking like in, in one of the future games, what if you chose not to jump from glass panel to glass panel to glass panel, but rather try to walk the midline between the two? I'm sure you'd probably get shot. Yeah, they probably would have done something because you broke the rules. That's the part that I don't They just said they get across. They didn't say. I'm sure if they had caught those uh, the two people with the lighter during that one game using the lighter, they probably would have shot them. I'm sorry, but like. No, no, that's totally. Yeah. How do you not spot that or smell it? You can spot somebody have a muscle twitch and pop them in the face, like in the first game, but then there's somebody <laughs> blatantly burning a lighter under your nose and you can't even... Come on now. Yeah, you would have smelled the, the metal heating up, probably. Yeah. See oh. the smoke from the melting sugar. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. Can somebody clarify for me who was the highest ranking like, villain? Like, in terms... Of, not the, uh, clearly the guy with the silver mask, of course, but Square trying... All the PlayStation symbols? Yeah. X wasn't there, man. They never explicitly stated that, and it was hard to keep track of. Okay, there was a, lot, a few things, so I had to keep looking up how much money they were going to get. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know, is $45.6 billion won a lot of money? Or, which, I don't even remember. I, I mean, it's like, it is a lot of money, but uh, is it? It's $38 million. So it is a lot of money. But when they're like, uh, oh yeah, can I just have 10,000 <laughs> 10, won? It's like, how much is that? Is that like, is that like can you lend me $5? That's like 100 bucks. So, so, dudes, it's like circles on the bottom. They're like the the peons. Yeah, because they're not they're not allowed to talk at all. Yeah. Then you have the triangle bunch. They're usually the arm monitors, but they were subservient to the circle, on the, to the squares, and then the squares were on the top of the pecking order. And yeah. then above the squares, they list here the folks that were serving the gala event in the last few episodes. And then, of course, the silver mask. 
front man, and then the host being the the the, the rich the rich dude. The other thought that I had to this for some reason, and I don't know if it was just like in the latter episodes that kind of imagery came to mind was like I forget which iteration of the Wolverine or whatever is the one where he goes to Tokyo and actually has this whole experience with going through the samurai phase of, of Wolverine, like kind of being betrayed by this like fatherly figure that he could trust. That was another thing that kind of popped to my head. Oh, before he got betrayed by the, uh, the Japanese uh, soldier dude. Let's talk about that. So Stan, did you see that coming? I, I honestly did not. I did to be honest with you. I thought, I thought that it was the character development that they had created in this arc was more to kind of capture the viewer. And I don't know what's going on around me. There's some firework display or something. It almost sounds like I'm in the middle of a war zone. I was just about to ask, like, Jacob, is that the air conditioner at your house? No, I got that fixed. It's, 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 it's like I'm in the middle of a battlefield right now. And I hope to God it's fireworks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, man, that's, that's, that's not fireworks. Those are gunshots. Welcome back to NMB. Heyo. <laughs> but I didn't expect that. And I thought that the role of that character was to have the viewer be drawn in and kind of supported by the uh, decision that the main protagonist kind of made with respect to the older man. Because he always kind of volunteered to protect him and to stand up for him, pair up with him in these contests and even lend him his jacket when he peed on himself and what have you. So I didn't, like, honestly, when they made that twist at the end of the program it was just like oh like i didn't i mean it was unexpected for me to be honest so that just made me think back to like that episode where they were playing with the marbles and in my mind i realized he picked this guy because like nobody else was picking him and they were thinking that it was going to be like a team thing where like the both of them would survive so i was just like wow that's nice he's doing that picking a partner that most people would think is a handicap he's been with this old band like this entire show and i was just like wow that's that's really nice you know because this guy could this guy could die and he knows that but he's still like damn like i can't let this old dude just die by himself like that so i thought that was nice and then i'm watching this episode it's breaking me up a bit on the inside because on the one hand he doesn't want this old man to die he's, he's become friends with him you know or as friendly as you can get with somebody that you're playing a game with that eventually everybody dies but then on the other hand you see him and he's getting to be kind of senile and not knowing what the hell he's doing and then he starts kind of cheating but it's it's like killing him too to have to cheat but he knows that this guy's senile so he's just it's fucked up but do i let him win he's gonna die because he's senile and his brain tumor thing and but then the great thing about that is that looking back on it when you know what the twist is yeah no exactly exactly so and that's where i was going with it. It was like during that episode i was just heartbroken oh, that is so sad and then right at the end, he's just like, no, no, no. And then, boom, you hear the gunshot, right? And he's devastated. And I can picture him, after winning the entire game, thinking back on all these people that he met during this game and became kind of friends with. And we're going to get back to Ali because, like, that is the most fucked up death on this entire fucking show. Yeah. But, like, I can I can picture, like, after you're done with the games, you're the person that survived. You have survivor's guilt or whatever it's called. Then you find out the dude, one of the dudes anyways, that you thought had died that you basically sacrificed so you moved on, is still fucking alive. And he was part of it the whole time. And chances are, he was probably not even senile, for real, during that game. He probably made that whole part up. At the end of that, they kind of implied that, because he sort of, like, turns it around on him. He's like, shows him that he knows that he was taking advantage of him. 
Because he was like, people do whatever it takes to win. That's messed up. I mean, it's great storytelling. All right. Like, I'd be, I'd be pissed off with that guy, too. I would be two seconds away from strangling him there on that deathbed. Well, he was. Exactly. I don't blame him. Let's kind of look at the six games in, in sequence. To be honest with you, green light, red light situation, to me, was like a, a pretty good opener. You know, kind of a, oh, yeah, run from here to there and see if you, whatever. But when they start popping caps, you quickly realize that that's not not a game that you wanted to sign up for. The problem that I have is kind of some of the, you had like, I think a time limit to make it across. So if you failed to move because you were shock stricken from what's happening around you, you were still going to die at the end because you didn't clear the line. You had like four or five minutes to make it from one side to the other, to pass the line on the other side. So then I thought it was a great intro into the objective way that, planners of the game were like not really caring as to who's gonna make it through the next round but then you get to like the second game and now you have like the protagonist's best friend who's kind of looking in and planning accordingly because he's like this well-educated guy who supposedly is the success story and yet you find out that he's too in the in debt to his creditors and is struggling but at the same time he is still willing to backstab you and turn your back on even your your childhood friend so if you were in that line would you have told everybody to pick the triangle or sort it out for the star or did the umbrella would you have that character the friend character with the glasses for some reason throughout the whole show i'm just he's gonna be good right he's gonna be good but if you think about it like you said in episode two or three the second game he kind of screws over everybody that he should have been working together with and i think at that point you kind of he actually kind of knew going in what the game was, right? So he had like an inkling of it. I think he sorted it out as, after he overheard the folks that were giving hints. The sugar and the shades. I put myself in that situation. I feel like I would have told, like if I had a good inkling as to what's about to go down, I'd open my mouth and said like, yo, line up at the triangle line, man. That's, that's, yeah. Or at least your team, because I figure if you yell that out to like everybody, then. Well, yeah, of course. They'll probably just shoot you. That's true. Because they'll be like, how you know? <laughs> and you know what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. Which brings me to the other question is kind of stepping away from the game play, the subplot of this whole thing that I wasn't sure if it was organizationally sanctioned, this whole organ trafficking situation that was happening on the back end of it. So that was just not a part of the process. That was just a triangle dude who got together with some circle dudes and was just like, hey, I got a way for us to make some extra money. Off these dead people. So there's that subplot and then the cop subplot, and both of them are like, why was this in this? Which, you know, we'll get to the cop subplot, but I honestly didn't understand the whole idea of why are you, unless that was the idea behind the cop subplot that I totally missed. And that was the only reason why he got involved is because of the organ trafficking situation. And then he just kind of stumbled upon this. No, the dude was looking for his brother. I gathered that, but. That was like the only reason that he was there was because he was looking for his brother. That also kind of, for me, nah. left a lot of unanswered questions that I was just, what? Exactly. And I'm, I'm assuming it'll get answered in the second season because nothing that that cop did had any real consequence or like relevance to the story. Except it was a great commercial for whatever phone that boy had in his possession. <laughs> with with he battery was, life that was like three weeks battery, long. Three weeks <laughs> yeah, long like, battery. That phone lasted forever. It was waterproof, regardless of... Lord knows if I put my phone in a 
Ziploc bag and try to jump in water. I'm going to have to keep it in a rice for <laughs> rice bucket for about two months. I don't think that actually works, by the way. Yeah, I don't think the rice thing actually works. A boy can dream, man. A boy can dream. That was kind of thing. So and then you get to this second game where you're trying to sort out the shape situation. And honestly, I don't see myself picking the umbrella ever. Why would you even do that to yourself? Well, so not knowing what the game was at all, they all picked a different shape. No, I get that, but why would you... Why would you look at the umbrella and think, you know what, of all the shapes that they have here... It's the odd one out, so why would you go after the odd one out? Unless you were bet-hedging on the ideas like, oh, odd one out is going to win me. I feel like that was like a kind of a newbie decision on that end. I wouldn't have selected that. Get the game number three, right? Or was it that they had to... (laughs) shoot each other or stab each other in the in the middle of the night that wasn't an actual game that was like a transition between games that too also didn't make sense to me because at this point you kind of realized why they were doing and i think at that point it kind of brings to the point where Gio was saying or jacob rather was the capitalistic urge of people realizing that the more people they off the better not only their odds were of winning but the more of a price they would win that's exactly what that was which is crazy for the old man to put himself in that situation, knowing that he was perhaps the most vulnerable. Yeah, but his whole thing was also just like thrill-seeking. Yeah, so but there's a difference going... between thrill-seeking and getting like stabbed in the middle of an auditorium. I mean, I, I think he knew the risks yeah. and was prepared. What was the game after the the sugar? Is that the tug-of-war? Yeah, which I think that's where the old man shines. Like, I think that episode explains why the old man was doing it. And I'm going to kind of circle back kind of something else that was brought up to me during the show after we finished watching it anyways if they had lost the tug of war which they could have there's no getting out of losing that yeah there's no getting out of not falling down and dying but are they gonna like pause the game and be like wait let's pick these guys back up and then we're just gonna kill them where you guys can't see so you don't see the old guy die hurry up blow up the inflatable thing from the land on <laughs> though geo this episode really made me think of the hunter exam arc of hunter hunter yeah the rock paper scissors stuff mm-hmm. like i don't know why but it gave me such strong vibes of of that i think it was just the setting i think that this was probably one of the best episodes was the tug of war episode actually let's just let's just finish the rest of the games and then we'll circle back to what i want to talk about because that kind of is more or less revolving around the purpose of the games one of the fundamental core values of the game the next one is, of course, like the, the most messed up in, in the entire thing, in my opinion, was the Marvels playoff, which I don't know how else it could have been approached. You guys kept making the argument that theoretically a team of people could have survived it, but I don't think that game was designed in that way. You know, I mean, and there was no way that... Oh, no, I don't think it was either, but if you're on episode one and you're hearing the rules to this game... You're not thinking to yourself, oh, if I make it past all six games and I'm the only one, I'll win all this money. You're just thinking to yourself, I just have to win the six games and I'll win the money. Or I'll win some money. Because no, not a single person asks how many people can win in the end. That is true. And they had said only one person can win at the end. Because if you think about it, this is like the first game that actually pinned relationships to the test. People who were either loved ones or friends or what have you were now pinned in the situation where unknowingly they were going to compete and kill off one of them. Because they chose a team thinking that that was going to be a team. Right. To be honest with you, that guy that got cheated out of the win, Ali, he was kind of naive. 
yeah. <laughs> you didn't check the bag to see if there was marbles in it? He just didn't trust them, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, I get trust in everything, but come on now. <laughs> like, you've seen what happens to people that lose. That was so fucked. I felt bad for him. And just, I'm not going to sit here and try to weigh people's lives to determine who's worth more than the other, or who should survive more than the other. But just like on a scale here, we got this guy who's a loner, doesn't even really talk to his mom, and then we have a guy with a wife and a brand new fucking like infant kid, and you're going to tell me that you're going to screw him over? I get that, that survival instinct to preserve your life, but how do you do that with zero remorse? Well, they go into that with... Uh... The girl that everybody loves and the person she's playing marbles with and how they basically like tell each other their stories and it's like, okay, well, your story's better. So you, you, you deserve to live. <laughs> yeah. That was an interesting dynamic. And then the other character that I couldn't understand was the, the girl that was the odd choice had that nobody wanted to pair with, who was aggressively trying to play the game. And Oh, <laughs> yeah, she, she won by, she won by default that game because she didn't have a partner. Yeah, I did just do some quick math. If theoretically 57 people could have won the last game, I don't know how you would have had Squid Game with 114 people, 57 people on each team, but... I thought Squid Game was played with like three people because wasn't that how they played it with the kid version in the first episode? was like three on each team. I mean, maybe they'd have to scale it up or something. I don't know, but because the first game, everybody could theoretically win. The second game, everybody could win. But then the tug of war, that eliminated half the people. And then the marble game eliminated half the people you're also not accounting for the midnight shootout situation well yeah i mean i i'm saying like in a, a game theory everyone's being altruistic sort of way you could have 57 people win and a completely light side version of the game <laughs> which i think it's also kind of like one of the points of this whole experiment if you will or game is that, that nobody was willing to be altruistic and even though people were in the lowest of the low in terms of their success with life and they were in debt to their creditors they still were willing to stab and cheat and whatever in order to kind of get out of this contest the sole winner so they can win the most part until the very last game where the main character was just like i literally already won but fuck this just just quit the game with me right now which that was the thing wait finish what you were saying jake half theoretically 57 you get to the end yeah so if everybody won the games where nobody had to kill each other, then at the end you'd have 57 winners. And what will be the pot? Do we ever like understand how much money was there? All right, so it's 45.6 billion. Minus, well, you said 57, so it'd be 57,000. Oh, 57, yeah. 100,000. 100,000, so minus... 57 million, I, I don't remember the, the conversion there. <laughs> I don't know, man. Am I thinking, like, because I'm thinking in my head I'm converting it back to, like, U.S. dollars. I don't remember how much each of their deaths was worth. Each contestant was worth a hundred million. A hundred million. So it'd be forty million, basically, or thirty-nine million billion. You said fifty-seven people. Yeah. So subtract five point seven billion. Yeah. So then we're we're at thirty-nine point nine billion divided by fifty-seven. It'd be seven hundred million per person, which is <laughs> about six hundred thousand dollars a person. Not too shabby of a take to walk away from this. Yeah, but it's not. 39 million. Yeah, that's the thing. And then, of course, you get to the hopscotch situation where people are like hopping. First of all, <laughs> well, how many people would be going into that game? Because I feel like if you have hundreds of people going into the, the class game, then. Oh, yeah. You for sure, like, as long as you're not one of the first people, <laughs> you'd make it through. 
also, you don't want to be one of the last people because with so many people in front of you, you wouldn't be able to make it across in the time limit. Who comes up with this? That was an interesting concept for a game. Yeah. The thing is, like, does it, to a certain extent, does it violate the rules, though, if you were walking in the middle? <laughs> yeah, I think so. They said get across. Yeah, but you have to choose a glass paint to get across. First of all, like, why didn't the glacier person come and be like, yo, you know what, guys? I think I can sort this out because I used to do this for a living. Let me do this. His whole reasoning is basically the same as the murderers was basically, I'm going to let everybody in front of me go and potentially just get rid of them. Less competition for me for when I'm up. But what, there were 30 steps total? You let 15 people sort it out (laughs) ahead of you. That's less competition, man. The rest of the path is your own. You can choose. Why not throw your shoes at it? (laughs) I would have thrown projectiles. (laughs) They had to leave their shoes behind them. Oh, that's true. They did make him take their shoes off. That is. <laughs> so they must have thought with the same, same lines you were, Stan. <laughs> They're just going to take their shoes and grab the strings and just, like, whip it over. Just smash stuff. <laughs> they know what, which one it is. Damn that silver, silver mask guy. He He's thought too about clever. Because <laughs> my silly ass would have been smashing glass with my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> just around be like guys guys i got an idea we're gonna make a line here just keep giving me shoes i'm just gonna throw the shoes everybody give me your shoelaces <laughs> worst case scenario you can use it to descend down at least not fall from a height and then last but not least of course like you get to this squid game which to be honest with you i didn't quite understand the rules like i rewatched when i got to the last episode and to this day i couldn't understand like because you gotta hop on one leg until you're out in the perimeter and then you can beat the piss out of each other once you get inside. I couldn't so, understand that bit. I think like if you're attacking, you have to be on one leg. And that way it gave the defenders more of a fighting chance. Because after that, all you really have to do is just run straight to the to the head of the squid. I couldn't understand it. And if they could quit in the last game, right, theoretically, why couldn't they quit once they saw the situation with the tug of war stuff? They got to quit at any point. They just needed a majority of people to quit. Right. But at that point, I think... All of them knew what they were getting themselves into and just needed the money. I guess. And then they straight up voted out after the first game. Why would you let people who had seen what was going on come out in public and potentially distribute that information to them? Because I don't think that anybody would have believed them. So that gets to the end, right? So uh, he gets that sick hairstyle, which <laughs> that's got to be a cultural thing. <laughs> I think the color was a little much, but you know what? It worked a little. <laughs> and... I can't even remember. He was about to get on the airplane and then turned around to do what? From what I understood, like after he had seen the initial agent that works for them, that like does the little slappy thing game that they play, like he kind of swore to himself that he's not going to let another guy fall into the same thing. So he turned around in order to prevent, because after he got the call and they called him on, they were like four, five, six, get your winnings and go. He's like, nah, I'm going to stop you. So at the end, instead of going and getting on this plane to go see his daughter. He was just like, nah, I got unresolved uh, things with the people who came up with this game. I'm going to finish this. This guy wants to do everything but be a good father. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the entire show, I want to like this guy because it seems like he has redeeming qualities. Like, you know, he's a crappy dad, but it seems like maybe he's trying a bit. And then he gets money to buy fish or whatever, and he sees a stray cat, and he gives the cat the fish. And I'm just like, wow, that's considering 
you don't have a lot of food and you're giving it to a stray cat like damn like that's you can't you can't hate on somebody who likes animals and then he takes care basically of this old guy gives him his jacket so like nobody sees that he pissed himself the entire game he's like helping his team helping these people so you're just kind of thinking to yourself like wow he's looks and sounds and is playing a genuinely good guy from what you can gather except for the fact that he is a shitty dad He's just the worst dad. I mean, he's also kind of immature, if you think about it. Like, his daughter was far more mature than... He was also kind of a shitty son. Well, I think they tried to explain that a little bit by going into his history. Because, see, at the beginning, I kind of got this hint of... It's like typical... How do you say it, Gio? Isekai? Isekai? That. Typical protagonist in that, where they suck. Halfway through, you kind of realize, oh, no, this dude has PTSD because of whatever he went through with his labor union stuff. Yeah. There's a reason that he doesn't have a job and stuff like that. Kind of. But the crappy part about that being that you understand that, that he has this PTSD, but you would think that he would try to overcome that for his daughter, but he doesn't. And like, even at the end where he won it all and like, he's off the grid for a year, he he doesn't do anything besides be a bum for the year. Doesn't do anything for his daughter. He doesn't even help out that girl's brother. Just leaves him in the orphanage, not knowing what the fuck happened to his sister. Doesn't help out his... I can kind of get that one because his friend did try to kill him, but at the same time, it just finds mom, you know? Well, in the end, he ends up just putting everybody who he was supposed to help together with a suitcase full of money. It's like, here you go. Yeah, basically. He finally gets all this money, finally kind of turns his life around, gets his sick haircut, and is literally on the verge of getting on this plane to finally be a good dad. And then literally steps away from becoming... A better father? He's just like, nah. He got aggro by a simple call, man. He was just like, four, five, six, stay in your lane. He's like, nah. <laughs> no, he was just like, nah, you know what? I'm going to finish this. I might not ever see my daughter again, but I'm going to finish this. It'll be interesting to see where they take a potential season two. I'll be curious. I was just looking up to see if there's one planned yet, and apparently there isn't, but they're talking about it. I mean, they left an opening as a possibility, so it'll be interesting to see. So, Stan, what I was going to bring up before, and I, I want your opinion on now, was at the end, you find out that one of the core main values of these games is equality. Mm. Like, these games were designed so no one person has an advantage over somebody else. Right. Because everybody has an equal chance of winning. Right. So. I feel like you're going to ask me some very, like. I don't think it's super dramatic. Seeing as how this old guy is in the games. Mm-hmm. And I would assume going into the games knew what the upcoming games would be or had some sort of idea. Wouldn't that be an unfair advantage to the team that they made? So I'm, I'm thinking back specifically to the Tug of War one. That's the, the one where like he really stood out was like, oh, this is like a strategy that we could use to win. Isn't that kind of like an unfair advantage? I mean, yeah, it is. And. I don't think it was ever clear as to whether or not the host actually knew what the games would be. No. Or if it was all designed by the by the frontman. Hmm. That, to me, kind of remains the secret. Because it was never answered. But if it is indeed known by the host what the six games would be, then it is unfair. It does kind of reflect the fact that he's this wealthy, privileged person who now is trying to do something that's from the standpoint of being a benefactor and giving everybody an equal chance, but at the same time, he also is not playing that equality card. Exactly. So that's where I'm getting at with this is it's not just 
advice that he gives to his teammates when, when this is going down. It's the fact that by winning, you're also taking the life of someone else. You get me? And like in the tug of war game, by the old guy winning, one person equivalent on the other team died mm-hmm. for him. Being as he himself wasn't planning on actually winning the whole thing. So at some point, he was going to have to drop out. That seems a little unfair to at least one person, because after the... The licky... <laughs> yeah, the, sugar, the sugar candy stuff. Yeah, so basically after the, the sugar licky. one... <laughs> Come on, basically, man. <laughs> basically after the sugar one is where the elimination game started, where like they would pit people against other people. Because before that, anybody had a chance to win. So the tug of war one for sure, he took the life of one person by winning. The other way that you can look at it, the whole kind of hierarchy of this, it was all built as a contest, essentially, for the rich to bet. Yeah, basically. Poor people killing themselves in this kind of an attempt to better their life. So it's this kind of struggle between classes that even though you still give the people in the squid games an equal opportunity to fight fair and what have you, you still have this preset structure of the rich will be rich and they can afford to entertain themselves in such a gruesome fashion. One thing that, while you're bringing that up, that I really just grinded my gears at the end of the, the, the show was that this guy was trying to explain to the main character why they did this. And then they're just like, you know, we just have so much money that like it burdens us. We, we're, we got bored and this is what we ended up doing. Woe is us for having so much money. And I'm just sitting there like, you mean to tell me I could have billions of dollars and I could have done everything and I'll be bored and sad with my life? Hell no. I'll find something to do that doesn't involve watching a bunch of people die and betting money on it. It's just the epitome of hypocrisy, I suppose. Saying that everybody's equal when you yourself know that it's not the case. It's you're affording to eat grapes and drink bottles of Hennessy or whatever they were drinking in that. <laughs> Squid game. <laughs> Makes me think of that 2020 episode. <laughs> Ain't no shame in that. There's an easy way and there's a hard way. And they always choose the easy way. So, Gio, there's a study published in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences, PNAS, that uh, says that this was in 2010. Basically, the main point of the study is that happiness increases as you make more money until you make about $75,000 a year. After that, money isn't tied to happiness. I don't know, because... Would you be happier if you made more? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would be happier if I made more. The problem is, like, you know, like this, the saying holds true, man. Like, more money, more problems. But does it, does it really bring more problems? I think so. Does it really, though? Because I'm thinking here, these super wealthy people, they don't even need to worry about anything. Okay, so here, real life scenario, right? Two of the richest folks in the bloody world, right? Mm-hmm. Bezos and Gates. Family? Nah. <laughs> that's because of them. Is it, though? Yes, that's because of them. How you know? Well, they didn't just decide to go out and cheat on their wives because they had money. There are poor people who go out and cheat on their wives. No, but I'm just saying is like, I feel like when you have wealth. I think, and I get where you're coming from, because I feel like what you're trying to say is when you have the money, you have the options. And I guess at that point, you look when you really shouldn't be looking. Mm, I mean, no, I mean, you're diving way too deep into that particular aspect of it. I'm just saying like, 
more money, <laughs> more problems. <laughs> okay, so this this is the way I'm thinking about it here. So I'm thinking about the super super wealthy people here. They one don't have to worry about going out and buying groceries. They got people who do that for them. They don't got to worry about driving themselves around. They got people who do that for them. They don't they don't got to worry about where they need to be or who they need to talk to at any particular point in time of the day because they got people who do that for them. Mm-hmm. They don't got to worry about their money because they got people who will do that for them and make them even more money. They don't got to worry about anything. Like, what does a super rich person have to worry about? They can literally just do whatever they want with their time, stay out of the spotlight, do whatever the fuck they want, and just let their money make more money for them. I think that's like a very idealistic approach to having a lot of money. I feel like once you have a lot of money, problems arise from the fact that everybody tries to share in your, not share, but like take your wealth (laughs) away, right? So you have to learn how to protect your assets. Rich people don't become rich because they're just sitting there, they're continuously turning over their investments and investing into something else and making smart moves. Again, that's not them who do that, though. They have investors, they have stockbrokers, they have these people who are educated in these fields who they hire to do that for them. But ultimately, you're the final say, though, right? As the whole... Ultimately, all they do is listen to these guys say, if you put this much money into this, this is how much it's going to give you over this amount of time. And it'll be like, okay, do it. And if it doesn't? If it doesn't, then they lose out on what's probably like a penny in their pockets. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I'm still a firm believer of more money, more problems. I've heard that saying before, and I cannot think of a single problem that I have right now that could not be solved with money. I will think about this, though. Let's say you have enough money to buy four houses. That means you have to take care of four houses. If you've got 10 bathrooms and you can shit all day, somebody's got to clean all 10 of those bathrooms. And that's the thing, though. You ha- If you have four houses, you have the money to pay someone to clean the bathrooms at all four houses. So you don't have to worry about that. But the bathroom breaks. You, you, you clog the toilet. Somebody's got to fix that. You have the money to pay for someone to fix that. I mean... Maybe it's also the fact that I'm thinking about this as if, if I were the one to have all this much money. Because I feel like I know when it comes to us, because I've known you guys for so long. If any one of us were to inherit or, or, or win or whatever, get millions or billions of dollars, I don't think any of us would be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy five mansions. <laughs> I'm going to buy 10 Lamborghinis. I don't think a single one of us would be like, that's something that I would do. I would buy a house and you know what? Yeah, I might go out and buy a nice house, but I wouldn't go out and buy a multi-million dollar mansion. I wouldn't personally do that. That's not my style. I would buy a house and a nice one somewhere nice. Wait, you ain't got no style. <laughs> it makes me think of that line from Pineapple Express. Man, you ain't got no style. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be, I'd, I'd, I'd be humble. Can smell it on my best. I'd be humble about that shit. I wouldn't go out and buy a bunch of sports cars. I might trade in my Accord and I might get a Tesla, but I wouldn't get a Lamborghini that I'd only be able to drive once or twice a month. So then the question becomes, then what do you need all that money for? To not have to worry about anything in life again. But if you, if you sort out your necessities, you buy your home, you buy your car, whatever. Not have to worry, again, not have to worry about anything. Not have to worry about food. Not have to worry about money to pay bills. Not have to worry about if I were to get sick, fucking how much I'd have to pay to fucking take care of myself and not die broke as shit. Not have to worry about like providing for my family. Not have to think about how much I'd have to save up or how much I'd have to budget in order to 
to go on vacation. So back to Jacob's point in terms of the journal study, 75 grand a year. 75 grand. I don't know when this study was done, but I'm thinking inflation would have moved that up a bunch. Because 75 grand a year right now, I don't think is enough. <laughs> Let me do the calculations real quick. Bump it up to 100,000. I feel like if I were making 100,000, I'd be, I'd be a lot more comfortable. So now if you inflate from 2010 to now, that's 95,000. So about 100,000. I feel like I'd be, I'd be right now. I might be okay with 100. So that's what I'm saying. So if you're making a solid 100,000. Well, like, yeah, if I was making 100,000, I would be happy. But again, that's not the, I, I don't have to worry about anything else money, you know? I, I get it, but like happiness implies like you're not worried about anything. So like anything above that 100,000 that no longer brings you happiness and safety. Oh, no, no, no. When I'm thinking 100,000, I'm just thinking I'm not stressed. Okay. So that means that you're not stressed about providing, not stressed about taking care of your own. Because I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. But at that same point, I feel like... So let's say that you're making 100000 and then the following year you ma- you start making a mill. Would you be less happy or more happy than you already are? I feel like I'd be more happy. <laughs> but Who like, wouldn't be more happy about that? But that's what I'm saying. It's like the 999000 that you're... 900000 900000 or whatever but the estimation is. Like how much more happiness does that bring you if you're not going to use it to do anything else not to buy five houses that you can shit in all that <laughs> all right i get where you're coming from i just feel like it takes my mind off of things knowing that i'm a, you get me i, I get you well, i got into a deep philosophical discussion from a netflix series Netflix wants to sponsor a podcast feel free <laughs> we can all use more money yeah <laughs> Just so we don't die stressed and poor and broke. Probably be a safer investment than a Dave Chappelle <laughs> special. But, um, oof. Let's not go there. You know what? I don't even know how I feel about that, so I'm just not going to say anything yet. Also, I feel like it's kind of not even my place. We'll turf it for episode four. Oof. <laughs> that along with uh, Midnight. Midnight Mass. You going to stick with it, Stan? I'm going to stick with it. I'm. Uh, what episode are you on? I'm an episode and a half in. I think at the end of episode two... You're going to be a lot more invested. I was invested from the trailer because I looked at a trailer once y'all started talking about it and uh, I got some questions. Did the trailer give anything away? No, it didn't. Okay. I went back and saw the trailer and it looked more like suspenseful than anything else. Okay. It didn't actually give anything away. I feel like it's spoiling something for me. Okay. If you can tell me in a sentence, well, for Jacob, it's one word, but if you can tell me in like a sentence what the bad stuff is in this show... Then the trailer gave it away. My guess from the trailer is that the guy from uh, New Problems of New Christine, the, the priest. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> priestly. <God-like>. Yeah, priestly. <laughs> that's that's the vibe that I'm getting. Because he already kind of struck out a little bit for me. When the sister Mary Pence or whatever her name is. God, I, I, I hate her so much. Oh, she sucks. Yeah, she's the worst. She's like the, the nurse ratchet of this whole church community. <laughs> She called him out on his garment thing. And he's like, why are you wearing gold, bro? Shouldn't it be green? And I, I was like, mm, he's doing something wrong. He's not a priest. Just let him wear whatever the fuck he wants to wear. Shit. But anyway, I'll explore that. I was purposefully not looking at y'all's reactions. So it's not the spoil. No, yeah, you're not. You're not. Uh, I don't think I don't think you're ready for what's coming, Stan. And it's coming soon. I'm looking up the Wikipedia article because I couldn't remember when you find out what's going on. But it's episode three is when you'll figure it out. Was it the end of episode three or the end of episode two? Because I remember like at the end of a certain episode, I texted you and I was just like, (laughs) Jacob had already seen it. Jacob had already seen the whole thing. 
So I texted Jacob and I was just like, Jacob, is this blank? And you were just like, maybe. <laughs> That's my guess. So I guess I'll stick with it. But it's, it's going to be a little bit painful because I'm still trying to get over the idea of dead cats polluting the beach. Yeah, that was pretty bad. But with that being said, I think it's uh, reasonable for us to adjourn until episode four. So we have email address now. If uh, the listeners want to reach out and share their thoughts on what they would do if they had $1,000 a year, scattershotthoughtspod at gmail.com. Send us an email and we might read it out in a mailbag episode. I don't know. You'll make our show better. That's right, Gio. We don't like to say goodbye, so we're just going to say so long. Uh, Gio, you have any final thoughts? Being sick sucks. Go to your doctor. There you have it, folks. Words of wisdom.